And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The reality of it is, I notice, I'm not for everybody. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Thursday, December 17th, and this is part four of our NBA season preview podcast. I'm G.E. Skeets, and alongside me, as always, we got Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tessie. We got the Bass Master ripping them lips, Trey Kirby. hey yo. Hey. hey yo. Yo. The international man of mystery taking it to the Max Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. <laughs> Last but not least, making the magic happen is JD. JD? Hello. Yeah. I muted myself because my wife just got back with the dog. Mm. <laughs> and then I forgot to unmute myself. So we're off to a great start here. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Go grab yourself some sweet No Dunks merchandise at nodunks.com. Make sure you do that before every player on the Hawks and Raptors are wearing them, all right? Get ahead of them in the cool factor. And if you're looking for a holiday present, may I suggest the Athletics BOGO offer. Buy one, gift one. Get an annual subscription to The Athletic for yourself, and then you can give an annual subscription for free. What a gift. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks for that awesome deal. All right, time for some more burning questions. Make sure you go back and listen to part one, part two, and part three of our five-part NBA season preview podcast series here. We're dropping them all week, but this is part four. We got new questions. Tass, you're going to get us started. I want to know the most overrated team or player heading into this season. Who are you going? Who are you going to upset? Oh, yeah, this is my wheelhouse. I love pissing people off. I'll, I'll get it started here, but I'll say first, it's an honor if I bestow the title of overrated <laughs> upon a player. I did it for Giannis Atetokounmpo in 2015. Wow. Look at him now. Uh, he's doing all right. Um, it's funny because I'm going to pick his teammate, his new teammate, Drew Holiday. Uh, he is, to me, the key to their offseason. We've talked about it a bunch and, and how I feel uh, that the Bucks recovered pretty well after not being able to sign and trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich. It's not that DJ Augustine and Brent Forbes really make up for Bogdan Bogdanovich, but I just believe in Drew Holiday. I'm almost overrating him. I'm just one of those guys that have loved him forever. We've said he's overrated in the offseason when they were talking about moving him, when he got traded essentially for two draft picks plus two pick swaps. That's a lot. Uh, but now that Yanis is signed, those picks aren't going to be that good. Either way, uh, you know we've said it before. Sometimes people don't listen, so I just wanted to throw it out there again. I love Drew. Um, so, you know, this I, I'm copping out here. I'm telling you he's overrated because everybody sort of gave him almost the Defensive Player of the Year award last year <laughs> in, in terms of the player saying that after the fact. Right. Uh, and yesterday in yesterday's show, uh, we, we talked about the Bucks and how he's a big upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. When it comes to an end-of-game situation, 
Chris Middleton was really the guy who was relied upon. Now Drew Holiday's going to get the ball. Uh, and if you look at the stats, as, as one person pointed out in the YouTube comments, they said Drew Holiday and Eric Bledsoe's stats are essentially the same. Well, look at their playoff stats. You can't really play Eric Bledsoe fourth quarter minutes. You can just lay off him. Drew Holiday is willing to take those shots, but at the same time, him and Anthony Davis as a team in New Orleans weren't able to really go that far. So now he's found a perfect role sort of as a number three offensive guy. There's a ton of pressure on him. There's a lot of expectations. But now that he's down in that sort of, yeah, that third hole on the offense, I think he'll do well. So he's overrated. He's underrated. He'll be perfectly <laughs> rated at the end of the season when he makes the all-star team. I, I, That's what I was going to say. You're like, uh, you're like Jennifer Hedger right now. Here. Oh, you got him yeah. making the nice. all-star team and Real you got him nice. overrated. That's uh, You're just like right on the fence. That's right up your ass crack right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Take me to the bushes, baby. I'm hedging. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, but yeah, we have talked about how funny it is that Holiday was like super underrated and then it like, as it does, like the pendulum swings like a whole completely other way and then he's maybe over but he's uh, obviously going to be still a talented player and he might be an all-star like Tass said on yesterday's show but you think he's maybe maybe slightly still a little overrated because what people yeah. are just a little too high on him and what he can actually do yeah go go to his uh, New Orleans days with Anthony Davis they made it past the first round once together right. uh, and now you look at Anthony Davis with LeBron Anthony Davis is putting up his share he's doing his job it's just that Drew Holiday's not a, a one or one a guy it's, it's just a lot. It's a lot for him. He concentrates on defense. He's really great. He likes to be off the ball, so I think they're going to close games a lot with DJ Augustine sort of as the, the point guard. Uh, we don't know who their fifth guy is going to be, uh, but uh, he can do it all. It's just he's not a, not a superstar. That's, I think that's pretty clear now, now that he's into his 30s and uh, on a team that fits him really well. Yeah, we all watched that series against the Blazers a few seasons back where Drew Holiday was really dominating against Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. They had Rondo alongside him, and it's impossible to shake how good he was during that series specifically. Like you're mentioning, Tass, you check the playoff stats for Drew Holiday, and it's really that one series that stands out because, I mean, he made the playoffs a couple of times with the Sixers a million years ago, but that was so long ago that Tass gave Drew Holiday first-time All-Star status because it happened so long ago. He only made the playoffs another time with uh, the Pelicans one other time. I do think Drew Holiday is an upgrade. And like you're saying, we've seen him at his best in the playoffs, which is huge. We have never seen that from Eric Bledsoe. But, um, you know, I think that acquiring Drew Holiday, biggest, best move of the offseason. But it's also just Drew Holiday. Like you're saying, Tass, he's made one all-star team in his career He wasn't able to take the Pelicans to the next level. He wasn't able to get the Pelicans back to the playoffs after Anthony Davis was there. But now he's in the third spot. That's probably where he should be. But I don't know. If you watch Drew Holiday against the Blazers back in 2018, it's impossible not to overrate him. Yeah, it could be... It could be similar to Mike Conley going to the Jazz, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. we could see that. Now, that was like injuries came into play with Mike, but like... He fell off, you know, in terms of his offensive output and stuff like that and was struggling at times. Uh, I, I don't expect that from Drew Holiday, but I, I see where that could could happen as they get up there in years lately, you know, becoming older point guards and stuff like that. And we're like established in a particular role with a particular team. And then you go somewhere else and things are different. And maybe you don't live up to being a 20 point per game score like in Conley's, uh, you know, situation when he went from Memphis to Utah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, going back to, to Holiday, this was largely because, as you guys are sort of referring there, Eric Bledsoe just continually 
disappointed in the playoffs and they just knew they couldn't go ahead with him another season. So they were right. like, let's get Drew. Drew should be better. He's shown to be a little bit more consistent, a little bit more reliable, even though he hasn't been super far into the playoffs. But I think everyone just feels, especially on the defensive end, which is ironic because Eric Bledsoe is also a very good defender. Yeah. Drew, Drew Holiday is, a, is an outstanding defender. And he's just the sort of guy I just think you may as well try someone different right now if you're the Bucks. So I think that's where it is. I mean, in terms of what they are as players, they're, they're similar. You know, they're similar and they, and they put up similar sort of numbers and play in a similar sort of way. But it was just Bledsoe continually let that team down in the playoffs. And we saw it again last season in the bubble. So... The Bucks simply had to move on, and Drew Holiday was there, and David Griffin made them pay a price. Yep. But uh, that's that's what that's what you have to do if you really want to move on. Otherwise, you kind of get stuck with someone like a Bledsoe, and you're just like, we cannot rely on this guy. So, yeah, smart mover. But but yeah, what is his ceiling? I mean, you know, he's not going to average 25 a game and have 11 assists and things like that. But he is going to be. You just think a consistent role player who's going to be there when the Bucks need him, and that that's basically what they've invested in because they're in win-now mode, and they've got a guy who's in win-now mode himself. Yeah, and Drew Holiday might be the greatest acquisition in Bucks history if it meant that Giannis then signed on the dotted line, the Supermax extension, which he did. So I guess it, in some regards, it, it worked out already for them. You got, I mean, you already still you have Giannis now, at mm. least for the future, until he, if he demanded a trade because they were floundering. But, you know, bringing Drew in helped, right? I mean, he, I assume Giannis was not all uh, that excited about running it back with Eric Bledsoe, I guess is what I'm getting at. Mm. Um, so they yeah. made this move, yeah. A star player like that, if if, if Eric Bledsoe was, re- if, if Giannis really wanted him, they wouldn't have traded him. There's no question about right, that. Right, I mean, right, right. Because Ludenholzer's still there. And I exactly, think if Giannis yeah. was like, I want a new coach, then he'd be yeah. gone, but yeah. yeah. And if you want to jump to a conclusion from uh, an eight-second video clip from Bucks camp already <laughs> this season, Drew Holiday was playing post-defense on Giannis and poked the ball loose. Ooh. This is a guy who's... You know, 10 inches shorter uh, than, than Giannis, played him, stood his ground. Those is eight that a seconds. good sign? Is that yeah, a good maybe, sign that Giannis maybe, is no, getting ripped no. by a guard in the post? <laughs> no, maybe Giannis but, is overrated again. <laughs> <laughs> is he worth Gian, the Giannis, biggest contract in history and he doesn't even yeah. have a title? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Giannis said, this guy can guard me? Man, I'm signing here. This guy is good. But a, a lot of it does fall on Drew's shoulders. There's, it's, it's going to be... Uh, the ball's going to come out to him and he's going to have to make a play. We just saw in the playoffs, Giannis struggled. Uh, unless he takes that next step, uh, you know, a lot of pressure on him, obviously, with this big contract, but the ball is going to be in Drew's hands to make a play. And he's almost overrated in a way, Trey reminded me. Basically, he's only been on the national scene in one playoff series, you know, two playoff series because they went to the second round. Mm-hmm. But New Orleans is a tiny market. People didn't see him not make the playoffs. And then he, you know, he went out and thrived in that two round playoff run and uh the guy has that talent he definitely has it so hopefully he can do it in that lesser role so bucks are such a frustrating team to talk about because it's like the regular season doesn't really matter with them at all Mm -hmm. we we expect them to be awesome still like top of the east or maybe even the best record in the league okay but who cares like let's see what just happens in the playoffs so they're, they're they're a weird team to always wrap your head around because it's like yeah, like like because what like Bledsoe was really good for them in the regular season, but then it of course didn't matter, it didn't translate in the playoffs. So then we just wait for Drew Holiday, as as great as he plays, or even if he struggles in the regular season, it doesn't really matter until we get to playoff series, and maybe he can uh, take them over, take them over the edge, and take them to the next step. So we'll see. Okay, Drew Holiday, a fascinating uh, selection there from Tass to get us started here. Most overrated team or player, Lee? We'll go to you next. Who you got? I'm going with the LA Clippers. Uh, I'm really until it's kind of the same with them. Until we get to the playoffs for them, 
this season. I'm not in on the Clippers right now. I, I really right. thought the way that their season ended was bad. And a lot of this, a significant amount of this, falls on Kawhi Leonard too. He's the star of the team. He got what he wanted there in LA last year. He got everything given to him. And come playoff time, it sort of unraveled a little bit. And, and he's brilliant. There's no question. He's uh, At his best, he's an MVP candidate. Uh, you know, he's a star player. We saw him in the bubble at times just completely dominate teams. But to blow a 3-1 lead against a team you should have destroyed is is a bad sign. And, and, and a lot of that, I think, wasn't about necessarily the talent. It was about the leadership or lack of leadership that was shown by their two stars. And, and Paul George is another one who needs to take some of the brunt of that. But Kawhi is, it's, it's Kawhi's team first mm. out there in L.A., and, and look, everything the Clippers did basically was trying to replicate what the Raptors did by letting him have time off when he wanted and letting him train and basically going on his own schedule. And it worked in Toronto. But then if you look at what happened in, in Los Angeles, going out in the second round, that was a major failure by the Clippers. That, that really is a, a bad end to the season. So I think what Kawhi has to do is, is in talent and on the court, he's going to be fine. But it's that locker room and that leadership role now, which I think he has to sort of rebuild and and show his team that like we're a team we're in this together it's not just like i'm a star and you guys are there to sort of just be my role players i need uh, he needs to sort of almost take a step down and meet those guys at that level and be like okay we're all in this together let's do it because you know montrez harrell left in the offseason doc rivers kind of got fired left whatever you want to say so i think there was a, a combustible situation and it did blow up when things went wrong that may have been the same sort of thing with the Raptors if they go out in that second round to the Philadelphia 76ers two seasons ago, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, and I think as well, like when Kawhi left the Raptors, they were sad, of course. They were disappointed that he left. But I also think guys like Kyle Lowry were kind of like, I mean, so what, man? You're like, like we're, we're, we're more than just you as a team. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. there was a little bit of resentment there as well from the way that he played in Toronto, even though they won the championship. So I think now for, for what happened last season, the Clippers... If they are a legit title contender, then they have to kind of prove it during the regular season, of course, but it's really going to be in the playoffs when they do face that adversity again, what's going to happen? Are they going to blow it? Because blowing a 3-1 lead is, is bad, and that's what happened. And then we heard all about the chaos in the locker room, people pointing fingers, this guy does this and this guy doesn't do that. So that falls back to your leader who's getting paid all the bucks, he gets all the shots, and he can be a free agent at the end of the season. So uh, he, 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 I think Kawhi really now has to answer that question. I, what I love about your Clippers takes, Lee, it, it differs than a lot of people's because, yeah, they blow the 3-1 lead in the Nuggets. They become the laughing stock sort of of the league. They're an easy punching bag. And most people, not you, most people point the finger at Paul George and they say, oh, look at this guy hitting the side of the backboard. Oh, meltdown. He thinks he's a star. He's not. And fair, I think, uh, especially with how he performed. But you go to Kawhi. You're the one rare guy that goes, no, 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 you're the real leader. I think it's different because you say, like, rebuild uh, the idea of the locker room or becoming the leader. The problem with that is, was he ever that? Has he ever been that? Well, but he is by he, default because he I get gets it, whatever but... he wants. The franchise does what the, the franchise did what Kawhi wanted, first of all, by, by signing him. And then he was like, get me another superstar. So they mortgaged the future to get Paul George. There's, to me, there's no clear. It, it's clearly Kawhi first, Paul George second on that yes, team. Paul George yes. still is, is, a, is a leader and he needs to be better than he was. But if you, if you ask for everything like Kawhi did, but then there's some resentment from your other teammates, then it falls on Kawhi, in my opinion, to sort of be like, okay, you know what? I am one of you guys. Let's let's do this together. Mm-hmm. I'm not just gonna I'm not just gonna take 20 games off when I feel like it because that's just who I am. I mean, th- that's the thing. Like it worked in Toronto, so he got away with it. Well, why did it work in Toronto? Because he wasn't the leader. 
Well, well, and the Raptors the have been humbled before. I think it's a totally different situation coming to the Clippers versus going to the Raptors. I was saying it during the playoffs. Kawhi needed a Kyle Lowry outside yeah. him. He needed somebody who alongside him to lead because that's just not his strength yes. so far because he hasn't had to do it yet in his career. But when you look at the Raptors team before they got Kawhi Leonard, they'd lost in the playoffs a lot of times. They'd gotten close and lost in the playoffs. Look at the Clippers before they co- acquired Kawhi. They did nothing. They thought they did something. They made it to the eighth seed and they lost in the first round. They thought winning two games off the Warriors was an incredible accomplishment, but clearly it wasn't. Now they've been humbled. They've seen the errors in their ways is what you got to be thinking as a Clippers fan. You got to think that this, uh, the first time that Kawhi's really fallen short, fallen short when he's had a team behind him to really compete for a championship, it ended up like a disaster. Paul George, uh, he, you know, I'm taking my my oath to not trash him this year, but he <laughs> resigned. He understands that things didn't end the way he wanted. Maybe Ty Lue's able to get people back on track it pointing the same direction. I'm a little confident in the Clippers this year. I was confident in them last year. They were still pretty close. Still had the second best record in the Western Conference. They did have a 3-1 lead. I hate this take where you're like, the only way you can blow a 3-1 lead is if you have a 3-1 lead. I don't think it makes sense, but they still were a half away from advancing to the Western Conference Finals. They're not far off. Their team, I think that Serge Ibaka is going to help. It seems like he'll just uh, simplify things and be a guy for Kawhi to have uh, as a sounding board, somebody he can really talk to and uh, maybe build a little chemistry. But the Clippers, I think, thought they were jumping the line last year. They yeah. were acting like they'd won a title already, and they were never anywhere close. You heard Doc Rivers even say it. He's like, we didn't do anything last year. And that was the problem. Montrez Harrell, Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, they thought, we are the Clippers. They were no longer the Clippers. Now Kawhi needs to make the team over in his image. And you're rightly, he does need to be a better leader. Maybe Serge does help with that, but yeah. I don't think the Clippers are that far off. What, what do you think, Tass? Like, uh, you know, will you believe in the Clippers during the regular season, or is it like Lee's saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Lee, but it's like, until the playoffs, uh, you will not be really truly convinced, it sounds like, unless you're unless you are seeing Kawhi Leonard do 30-minute uh, Zoom post-game interviews, you know, talking <laughs> up every guy on the roster. But what do you think, Tass? They're not going to prove it until they make the playoffs, but I think the regular season is going to be important for them because they're just going to have to take things more seriously. They're just going to have to show up every practice and every game and be there and not take games off as much. And uh, they were the ones most affected by the pandemic, I think, throughout the league, all 30 teams, just not having those extra 15, 18 games to play together uh, because... They didn't have that many games together in the first place because it was their first year, but also because Paul George was injured at the beginning of the year because of Kawhi's uh, load management. They didn't develop chemistry. It's partly because they didn't play. It's partly because I don't think they took it seriously enough because they did have a, a, a laissez-faire attitude. They just said, we're, we're good. <laughs> and and that, that showed. When you're up three times, double digits, <laughs> in the exact same manner, you just think you're coasting. Talent was obviously good enough to get them to the conference finals to play the Lakers. So I think that's where they end up again. I I don't think they'll lose another 3-1 lead if this happens again, just because they know, (laughs) uh, hey, we've been there and we really effed up. And it's been brought up on this show before. The Heat lost in their first year altogether. I know they did make the finals, uh, but this is is sort of similar to me in that uh, they'll be better. They'll be better this year. And the talent got the Heat to the finals. Talent got... Uh, the Clippers to 3-1, and then the Nuggets taught them a lesson. Uh, and I think the Clippers have learned something. I think right out of the gate here, they'll be better. They'll be better, and they'll be friggin' playing. <laughs> you know, they, they they took a lot of games off last yeah. year, and again, that was because of injuries. Uh, and then in the bubble situation, I think it goes unsaid, too. 
it was like half the rotation was in and out there. And so there was never any chemistry. And all those reports throughout the year, Jovan Buha did a great job on the they athletic reporting. They were true. Yeah. They were true. Yeah. yeah, they were they were entirely true. And they they didn't compensate for them in March and April and, and May and June, July and August. They just never did. TK, who do you have for an overrated team or player? I'm reigniting a beef, Skeets. Yes. I think the Beantown boys are a little <laughs> bit overrated this year. People are talking, talking them up as a potential finals contender. Because they've been a finals contender for, what, the past three seasons, basically, starting with the Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward signings. That's when they kind of got in the mix as an Eastern Conference contender. Their starting lineup is still really good. Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Daniel Tice. That's two guys who are all-stars, one who might be an all-star. I got Jalen Brown as a first-timer this year. But if any of those guys get hurt, they are in trouble. Because once you look at their reserves, you can check out John Hollinger's preview at The Athletic. You can subscribe at theathletic.com slash no dunks, the rotation reserves. Tell me if you've heard of any of these people. Peyton Pritchard, Romeo Langford, Aaron Neesmith, Grant Williams, Tristan Thompson. You know those last two because they got big old booties. But these are not guys <laughs> who are going to be lighting up the scoreboard. Right. Celtics struggled to score in the half court last season. Kemble Walker will be returning from injury. We don't know what he's going to look like when he gets back. He had some moments in the bubble where he looked good. And he had some moments in the bubble where he looked like he was really struggling out there. Gordon Hayward was certainly missed against the Miami Heat. Obviously, now he is a Charlotte Hornet, and he wasn't really replaced because by the time uh, the Hornets acquired Hayward, there weren't a lot of good wings out there. So the Celtics, they got a nice starting five. They got a great coach. I don't mind the Tristan Thompson signing. It could have perhaps been used a little better somewhere on the wing, but there are a lot of young guys who could have a lot of responsibility on the Celtics. One injury and they're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Kemba already, of course, banged up, but you're right. I mean, one even sort of not drastic injury, but a tough injury. A guy puts them out for three or four weeks to Tatum or Brown. That's uh, yeah. They're then asking a lot of, a lot of young guys behind them to like be thrown into the fire and see if they can do it. And this team was awesome, like offensively and defensively last year. I think they were top four um, in terms of efficiency, which is incredible. I mean, th- that's why you have to consider them like a legit sort of title contender because they play on both sides of the ball, but I'm with you. They are very, very thin, but the Beantown boys are going to be pissed. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. It's always fun to stir the pot. Stir that pot of gold for those little leprechauns. <laughs> oh, I love that pick. No, Brad Wanamaker too, Skeetsy. So that's <laughs> good for you. Yeah. Who yeah, do they turn to? Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, he's on the Warriors, right? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, my obvious answer for an overrated player uh, is Lakers forward Kyle Kuzma. Um, but I'm just going to leave it at that because I got a spicier take. And I want to preface my overrated player selection here by saying that my guy that I'm saying is overrated is just 20 years old, okay? He averaged 22-6 and six in just 24 NBA career games up to this point. Mm. He's likely going to be a 10-time All-Star, probably 10-time All-NBA by the time it's all said and done. But Zion Williamson, as a highlight factory, okay? That's the specific part here, is terribly overrated. Everybody kept telling me, this guy's going to be the next Blake Griffin. He's going to be the next Charles Barkley, Sean Kemp, whoever. What were his highlights from his rookie year? What would you guys say they are? They're not that impressive. He four hit threes. four three-pointers. Yeah, hit four three-pointers in his first game. Wow, that was crazy. What is this guy, Ray Allen? He had one hoop I remember that he sort of caught behind the backboard and sort of readjusted for like a nice finish. Beautiful. And then he had... A handful of like nice swap blocks and then some like big oops, like like ones where Lonzo's throwing it from half court and he goes up and gets it. But not on anybody. 
That was it. Yeah. He didn't catch a single body is what I'm saying, Lee. <laughs> no first degree Mozgov murder. Yeah. Instead, he's just stealing candy bars from a convenience store. That's what he's given yeah. us. John Morant did more highlights in one week than Zion Williamson did all season long, is my point. Zion Williamson's overrated as a highlight factor. I, I, I was at the Fortress for uh, his first preseason game, and I think his first possession was a dunk in traffic. And I was like, oh, wow, this is nice. But that was maybe his best dunk for the season, you know, because yeah. he was injured shortly after. He had a, a sort of bully ball moment there with Stephen. Adams, if I yes, remember. Yes, yes, that that would so, be on the short list too. Like yeah. I went and watched Put the Rudy NBA. Basket once upon a time as well. He uh, he had a ten minute clip on NBA's YouTube page. Yeah, I watched the yeah. whole thing last night, and yeah. it's like, yeah, there's a couple where he just like sort of bullies guys. I'm just saying, he didn't dunk on anybody. Nah, no, not no. a single dunk on a guy, really, to me. And it was yeah, just like, why, oh. was Zion's highlights are his is his, his highlight is his ability to jump. That's what it is. You watch mm. him and he can jump as a guy who's 285. That's the most spectacular part of him going to point. the lane. Like, it's a good point. It's almost like Derrick Rose's like uh, finishes, his layups. Fancy schmancy. Those arms are moving all over the place, but they're not really, you know, he's not catching anybody. It's just, it's just awesome to watch him jump off the floor as a 285 guy, but then he lays it up. He's not really dunking all the time. Right, right, right. I just, so you're, okay, I, you're, I, you're, I hedging, you're, you're doing a little hedging there too. What's was, that? You're, you're gen hedging a little bit there. <laughs> How? Well, you're you're not saying Zion Williamson is overrated. You're no, saying his highlights are overrated. I'm not overrated. that drunk. I'm not that insane. <laughs> Major no, hedge. No. Major hedge. This is going to be your task, Melisian, this Antetokounmpo moment. Yeah. Zion's awesome. He shot, or he shot nearly seventy percent in the lane. Maybe they're not all dunks, but he makes almost every single shot he takes. He's twenty yeah, years old. Yeah, the guy's yeah, incredible. It's cool. It's awesome. It's really boring. Fantastic. Man, I th- I'll tell you man, what. Of anyone that likes offense, I thought you would be in my back. Your favorite player is Kyle Lowry. <laughs> yeah, well, Kyle Lowry. When's the, the last time he dunked? When's the Kyle last time Lowry he dunked? Kyle Lowry wasn't, you know, selling. He's not out there like as the billboard name. Oh, we got to get him in Christmas Day. Terrible games, take. Okay. Terrible oh, take. Oh, my God. <laughs> layup. Oh, another layup. Oh, another layup. Boy. Hey, what's the name of our show? John Moran is 10 what's times the name more of our show, Skeets? <laughs> Skeets, what's the name of the show? <laughs> yeah, it's a horribly named podcast called No Dunks. But he is a starter, so we can go oh, back to Worst take. A worse take than Zion is the most overrated guy that this is a horrible name for a podcast. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Tongue in cheek, man. Hashtag sarcasm. Let me throw Hashtag it up. Hashtag hedge. Hashtag trash take. Oh, my God. <laughs> what were you about to say, Lee? Uh, oh, I will say one thing about Zion. He's got a nice handle for a big guy. And I think that is going to translate into like a, a, almost like a Charles Barkley type of dunk at some point. And what I mean by that, he's going to get the ball in the perimeter. You know, he doesn't he doesn't uh, lose his handle. He gets in, he throws it, throws it behind his back, and then he's going to see someone come to, to challenge him and dunk on him. That's where it's going to come from. That's my that's my take. Yeah. I don't know if it's All right. Happen. I'd like to see him dunk on somebody. Hey, yeah. throw a, throw a nice pass too every once in a while. What was what was his best highlight assist wise? Uh, he had an assist in his very first game. He grabbed a rebound and zipped it up the court for a full court assist. I remember that. <laughs> then he hit four yeah. threes. And it was probably number two on the top ten plays from me. My point is they're jamming him down our throat like he's a highlight factor. He's yeah, not. Yeah, we'll he's see amazing. him in the All Star game. He'll be he's starting. Amazing. Uh, it's it's funny. I know you guys aren't into uh, fantasy this year, but where do you think? Zion Williamson was selected in fantasy. Is he underrated or overrated? It's you know first, in first round. Yeah, first first you round. You would think not- so. You would think so. Yeah. He was the thirty sixth pick. Wow. In my fantasy wow. draft, he is low. I, well, I'm imagining that injury. Ton, well, I'm, well, the injuries as well. I'm guessing that's a, a bit yeah. of a factor. Yeah. It's a factor. It, it, it is a factor. People are are waiting to see him. Yeah, for a quote-unquote big, he doesn't board, doesn't block shots right. at this point of his career. But he's going to turn it on. It, it is, it's, a, some, it's 
almost beneficial for him that he played that many games and only that many games because he didn't go through that rookie wall type thing. Uh, he's he's learned a lot in just playing those 24 games. I think he's going to have an incredible second year. And maybe I'm patting myself on the back because I took him at 36. Oh, wow. I was I was <laughs> people aren't. Yeah, people just weren't super duper high on uh, on his ceiling. But I, I guess it's the injury. It is the injury. So what was uh, he your second or third pick? How many teams? Were third. Third, third pick. Yeah, okay. Ooh. All right. Who are your first two picks? Now I'm curious. The Luke. Whoa. Luka Doncic and wow, Ben Simmons. God. Listen, oh, Ben to, Simmons. This is a keeper league. You're killing it, my man. Yeah, yeah. it's not. Listen to this crazy <laughs> draft. Listen to this crazy. It'll only take two seconds here. But you know how you get like an auto draft before the draft, and you get your your slot where you're picking. You can actually preset your desired spot in those in those picks. So let's say. I'm picked first, like yeah. my my number comes up first. I can pick that I want to pick fifth or tenth or twelfth. It's like totally my option where I pick. You know, you have the option to select where you pick depending on where your number is draft or your number is picked. You know what I mean? So you 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 pre-select where you want to draft from. I had no idea that Wait, you could do hold that. Hold on, hold on. You You're saying what I could if we were four guys in this league, we would I could say, well, I want the number one pick. Pre-draft, pre-draft. Yeah. If we all just said we all want the number one pick, whoever gets picked first would take the number one pick. But right. nobody wanted the number one pick just because of the way the, the snake situation yeah, went sure. down. Uh, so I was left with them. because Even if I was picked 12th, nobody wanted number one. So I, I selected I number one. Wow. I took the Luke. Wow. Anyways, cool story, bro. Wow. Fantasy. Cool story, bro. All Moving right. on. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Most underrated team or player heading into the season. Trey, you get us started. Who's underrated? Zion Williamson. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> JK, 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 JK. My real most underrated player this year is Russell Westbrook. It's almost a reverse Drew Holiday. Everybody remembers how bad Russ was in the playoffs for the Rockets. 18 points a game. He shot 42%, 24% from the field, or from three, and he had four turnovers per game. It was not good for Russell Westbrook, especially not for basically the entirety of the bubble where he was recovering from a COVID-19 diagnosis and a knee injury. But during the regular season, we were talking about Westbrook maybe playing the best basketball of his career. He finished 27 a game, eight rebounds, seven assists, playing almost as a small ball four, almost as a small ball five for the Rockets. The team was built around him and James Harden, obviously putting them in the best situations to succeed. Now he's going to go play on a Wizards team against a whole bunch of point guards who haven't had to deal with Russell Westbrook for the entirety of the season. You know, he's been in the West his whole career. Now he's coming over to the East. There's a bunch of bad defensive point guards over here. He's going to light them up, and there's going to be a ton of spacing for the Wizards. They're not going to ask him to play defense. They're just going to give him 
free reign to get inside and score at the hoop. He'll probably take some possessions away from Bradley Beal. Surely Beal's scoring numbers will go down, but I think that could be good for the Wizards. It'll save Beal a little bit, let him be a little bit more efficient, whereas Westbrook can sop up some possessions, get buckets, and kind of, you know, remind people that, yeah, I was terrible in the bubble. It wasn't my best. It wasn't my MVP season, but I think Westbrook is still in the all-star conversation. I think he puts the Wizards very close to the playoffs, if not in the playoffs, past the play-in tournament. I think they could get up to the seventh. Yeah, I think that's certainly a possibility with this team. I'm probably drinking too much of the, the preseason juice, but I like seeing somebody score, and I like seeing Westbrook. I want to see what he does against a bunch of players that aren't quite as familiar with his game. I don't think it's even a lock that Bradley Beal's numbers drop like drastically too. I think wasn't it Dan Devine pointing out that Westbrook has played with a lot of guys who are like oh, yeah. either lead the league in scoring or top three. Obviously playing with Durant for a long time helps, but uh, even James Harden. So yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that far fetched to see Beal still averaging you know close to thirty a game playing alongside uh, Westbrook. Okay, that's a, that is a good one. Russ underrated maybe a little bit heading in. Uh, to his what season is he at for him he has played a uh, 12, long time yeah, sounds oh, right yeah. 12 or 13 would be my guess uh but in the eastern conference russell westbrook who do you got lee underrated team or player well i think it's the raptors i'm going with the raptors because i think Homer. we kind of overlooked them <laughs> well but but uh, look i think uh overall you look at the raptors and the way certainly the way that nick nurse gets everything out of his players i think the raptors are a fairly deep team going in now if everyone's at their best if uh, Kyle's at his best, you know he's going to fight and compete no matter what he does. That that's great. He's a, he's a great leader out there. Pascal, I think is is going to be back. He's improved the last two seasons overall, and he didn't have a great bubble in the end. Certainly down there uh, against the Celtics, and that was largely I think to do with matchups. I think Jalen Brown was just a terrible matchup for him, and he really he really defeated Pascal in that matchup. But I think Pascal overall is a young guy. He's going to bounce back. We've seen him uh, be really really good. And he's got some versatility to his game. He can get inside, he can shoot the three, he can get to the free throw line. So I, I'm not ready to give up on Pascal just yet. OG, I think, is in for a big season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and as well, like we talked about losing Serge and Marcus Old, two big blows for sure. But Aaron Baines is a very solid player. He, he's going to be filling in that role very, very nicely. And then you go a little bit down further. you got Norm Powell. He's a little bit of a feast or famine guy, no doubt about it. But I think last season was his best season. He was a little bit more consistent. Uh, and then you've got someone like DeAndre Brimbury, who we saw here in Atlanta. He's another good, decent guy to have coming in off the bench there. Add to that the young guy, uh, Malachi Flynn. People are pretty excited about him. Mm-hmm. Boucher at times had his moments. So I think Matt Thomas. Lo- Don't forget Matt Thomas. Matt, oh, man. Matt Thomas. Shooting Matt Thomas. Yeah, Say more oh names. Norman Powell is working with Matt Thomas, working on but, his shot geez, But the, re- the reason I'm mentioning these names is because, again, Nick Nurse at times will just go, all right, it's your night tonight. And yeah. this guy will go out there and perform. Now, and when it comes playoff time, though, Nick Nurse went back heavily to his his star players because, again, that's what you have to win, but you have to manage the regular season where there are more minutes for some of those other guys. And Nick Nurse, a fantastic coach, coming off coach of the year. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe he's going to get – yeah, he'll get fired in March. But uh, overall, I think at their best, if things break right, again, for the Raptors, there's no, there's no reason to think they shouldn't be top four in the Eastern Conference. Again, if they have injuries like any team, it's going to affect them. But overall, I think, uh, again, this is a team – the Raptors have somehow become one of the model franchises in the NBA over the last six yeah. to eight years. And a lot of that to do is what they do on the court, but off the court as well. Uh, Masai Ujiri's done an incredible job. And I just think, yeah, I think I, don't, I look at the Raptors and I think there's no way they're like struggling to make the playoffs or anything like that. Their goal would be fourth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and I think it's achievable. 
Second longest playoff streak in the NBA. (laughs) And, and. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) Longest (laughs) active playoff series win streak. How do you say that? Correct. Correct. Longest active streak with a playoff series win. Correct. That is correct. That's amazing. I'm glad to hear the VSP is back. Aaron Baines, very solid player. Oh, I'm very excited for Bainesy. I may even invest in a uh, Raptors jersey with Bainesy on the back. Oh, my God. Because you just got him. You're going to be uh, leading the parade. Of the uh, unofficial Aaron Beansy uh, Twitter well, the thing, account. The thing about club. Aaron Baines, when he was with San Antonio and they won a championship, he he barely played. He was a deep, deep rotation player, and then he bounced around. But he went to Detroit, he went to Boston, and he went to Phoenix. But he actually, and when he, I've seen him play for Australia as well, he's a very, very capable player because he understands his role and he challenges shots. We know Giannis has dunked on him a million times. A lot of guys, Ja Morant dunked on him last year. I can't year. wait for Zion Williamson to try and dunk yeah, on him. Yeah, but, but that's the thing. At least he's out there. He's competing. He's going to he's gonna fight hard. He's going to rebound. It's not rim and, protection, though, if you are getting dunked on. It's yeah, just, but, it's trying to block shots. But that's at least that's fine, isn't it? You yeah. want you, you want him at least to, to not be afraid to get dunked on. He doesn't care. And then, again, on the offensive end, his three-point shot has improved dramatically. So he will be able to spread the floor mm-hmm. for the Raptors out there. So uh, I, I, I think the Raptors are very good. I think Baines was a very, very good signing considering they lost both of their bigs uh, in free agency. Do you? So you think they could be top four, you said? In, in oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, like when, when you look like like I think Miami uh, of uh, looks the top three I think are probably uh, uh, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Boston. Okay. And then after that, I think they're as good as Miami at sure. best. Um, Sixers. And then, exactly. Like the, those teams, a few little questions about them, but uh, I I don't think the Raptors look at them and go, well, we're much worse than the Sixers or the Heat. I think it's like the Raptors there, and they got the continuity again, mainly with their stars and their coaching and just the way they play. So. Um, you know, this is incredible to to look at the Raptors season in, season out, and think, yeah, they're a playoff team. They're, yeah, they're in the playoffs. I mean, for so long it was like they were out of playoff contention about two weeks into the season. Remember? And it was just like, ah, oh, here we go again. They're three and sixteen. Like, they're just. I mean, it was, it was. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And And now oh, it's, I know, man. We were we were paying for season tickets. I'm well aware. And now you look at the team and you're just like, yeah. I mean, they're they're just a consistent, well-run team uh, that understands what they're right. supposed to do. And and again, Kyle hey, Lowry. They need gonna, to lock up Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster as their next big thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but Kyle Lowry, you know, he's going to give everything he's got until he's literally dragged off the court. And that that to me is uh, is is really what embeds that team. When your leader is like, he takes those charges, he wins games for his team. You know, he, he has his moments where he takes a couple of those shots a little bit early in the shot clock. But overall, Kyle gives everything for that team. Yeah. And that's what you need. Um, what, I got one question with Beans. All right. And I don't want to upset the uh, Twitter account <laughs> or the fan club. Is he Australian or is he New Z- or, or is he uh, a Kiwi? Because he was born born in New Zealand, right? He was born in New Zealand, but he's played for Australia at the last couple of you know world championships, okay. Olympics, and things like so that. So, uh, I I mean, I guess once you that that's the the country that you represent in the international sporting field is the country you are. You know what I mean? Like like Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving was born in Australia, but Kyrie Irving is American. Yes. He's not yes. he's not Australian. So that, that's what I'm saying with Bainesy. So did Baines but, grow up in Australia? I think from a young young age, was about I I believe I'd have to check. I think he was about six or seven when he moved to Australia. So he's you know yeah, he's Bainesy's so he's Australia. Yeah, you can him. be more. You can be from more than one country. You got eighteen passports, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Serge Ibaka plays for Spain. You know, there's yeah. Well, I just like that's what I mean. I know that Australia, 
like they 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 have beans like you guys rep for him but i was wondering are people from new zealand like no no he's our guy that's that's he's ours but i, yeah. I don't guess i hear that often well i i think i think it goes like this officially uh so he moved to australia when he was three years old i'm just looking <laughs> oh, right. here on uh he on, was uh, he was three years old but he probably looked like an eight-year-old though. yeah exactly yeah yeah he was probably already 180 pounds then uh i think when he was <laughs> when he was in san antonio and not playing so much it was kiwi Bainsey. But now that he's become a bit oh, of a star. Oh, so he was he won the title and suddenly Australia's like, oh, yeah, no, he's oh, yeah. ours. Listen, the day he hit a step back three over Damian Lillard, that was the day he became a true blue Aussie. So, uh, okay. yeah. No doubt. Okay. It's I like the Greeks. It's like the Greeks claiming Giannis Tetagumpo after he became yes. a draft pick. Didn't want him before that. Ah, Freaking yeah, Greeks. Yeah. When he starts getting successful is when you want to call him one of yours. No okay. Tass, who do you have for underrated team or player? Um, I'm going back to those Wizards. Trey was talking about them. I'm a huge Rui Achimura fan. Love me some Rui. Everybody's talking about after his first season. He's only played one year in the league, but it felt like the way people talked about him negatively after his first season, the things he couldn't do, it felt like he'd been in the league for a long time. Uh, he just gets, he's already got this rep as a guy who oh, can't extend his shot. What really is his skill set? Is he as athletic as he was in college? The answer is Yes, he's as athletic as he was in college. Yes, he can extend his three-point shot because he has a motor and he has a desire to get better. That's what I got from watching him uh, play in Washington. Even though he was taking mid-rangers and he shouldn't have been, uh, he went out in the offseason and extended that range a little bit. Now, the shots could have a little bit more arc, and I think he has worked on that because the arc has gotten better. But uh, to me... um, He's just somebody that people talk about as a guy sort of like his teammate Russell Westbrook for a long period of time. Uh, He can't shoot. Uh, Well, he's got an incredible motor uh, like his teammate to some degree, Russell Westbrook. He is going to work his ass off. And so I believe in him getting better. And uh, I'm not going to tell you if I took him in fantasy or not. <laughs> yes, oh. I did. Uh, but yeah, I believe I believe in Rui. I think there's like there's a billion young guys on that team. And I don't know why I fall in love with a bunch of them and Isaac Bonga. Not so much Mo Wagner, uh, but Bertons, you know, up and down maybe, the Troy Browns fan. Yeah, there's Bertons down the line. There's they have a lot of young guys, and hopefully for them, one of them hits. And I think Rui's going to be a very solid rotation player for a long time. Um, even though people, even in the stream team here, Von Jovi Sabido calling him slow. Come on, come on, <laughs> everybody How dare just you. looking at him and saying he can't play. He he's got skills. He's working on it. He's going to get better. He should be a starter on that team. Um, my underrated player, my obvious answer is Lakers guard Taylor Horton Tucker. <laughs> uh, he's going to be an MVP. It's looking like in preseason play. No, my actual this is answer is good though, for the numbers. That's good for the numbers if you bring up THT. That's right. That's a yeah, good point. It's like uh, he's the new Caruso, basically. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Uh, no, my actual answer for underrated player, Josh Richardson. Um, I think is interesting because we've talked a lot about how much it sounds like all of us love Seth Curry and his fit with the Sixers. Get some shooting around and beat in Simmons. Josh Richardson, though, he has the ability to shoot and he generally defends the best player on the other team, best wing player at least. He's just coming off a brutal season in Philly. He shot 34.1% from deep and that was his lowest since his sophomore campaign back in 16-17. But the two years prior to that, in Miami, he shot like 36% from three, 38% from three on pretty comparable attempt numbers. So I just think maybe that was a weird aberration there in Philly with the makeup of that squad, him going in there and what he was asked to do. I like him more in Dallas. 
He gives them a little toughness, and they just see it. And like I saw some quotes from Rick uh, Rick Carlisle. They just love the idea of his fit with Luka Doncic. Quote, we've been looking for a guy who can defend point guards and can score off the ball or take the ball and make Luka work off ball. Josh Richardson is a guy I always felt could be a good fit along Luka. That makes a lot of sense, especially the defensive part. Because if you're Dallas and you have plans to go start going far in the playoffs, you're going to need a guy, a dog, that can try and slow down these awesome point guards like your Stephs and your Damian Lillards and your Murrays and your Bookers and your Mitchells. Like, that's who Josh Richardson he would be on to attempt to slow down. And if he can hit his shot or get that three-pointer back to like 38%, they're loving that. Yeah, it's not Seth Curry levels, but all this other stuff that he can do, especially defensively, I think makes sense. So I'm 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 high on Josh Richardson. I know he's playing really well in preseason right now. He's not he's not gonna go, you know, he's not gonna shoot 80% from distance uh, over the regular season, but he can be a really, really good guy moving forward with them as like sort of a third or fourth sort of guy um, when you pair him with Porzingis. So I'll go Josh. I'm not giving up on Josh Richardson just because he had one sort of stinker year there in Philadelphia. Mm. We used to talk about him as underrated when he was with Miami, right? I mean, he was a People said he could player. be the next Kawhi Leonard, Ooh, well, which was, was a little bit of <laughs> yeah. an overextension. I think maybe uh, some 76ers executives read those kind of tweets from Dave DeFore. Yeah, I still remember Dave. <laughs> but I feel like they read it and they said, all right, man, if you're going to be the next Kawhi Leonard, come here and be the next Kawhi yeah. Leonard. That was just too much for Josh Richardson. He's much better in a support role. Like you're saying, he's going to bring the defense. This was a win-win trade for both teams. Yep. It's a better fit for Richardson, a great fit for the Sixers getting Seth Curry. Nice moves. All right, our next question here. I teased it, I think, in part one of our podcast series here, our season previews. Is the play-in tournament the playoffs? Lee, you tell me. Are we counting that if you are making it as the ninth or the 10th seed, you're in the play-in tournament? Are you in the playoffs or no? What do you think? No, you're not in the playoffs. No, okay. you are not in the playoffs. You're only in the playoffs when you face a team over a series of games, which would be a best of seven series. So no, but I am excited for it. I think this is a really good idea. It obviously worked very well in its first try down there in the bubble. And it wouldn't have even happened if it wasn't for the shutdown of the season. And so the NBA decided to take a chance and it worked. And now they've decided to not only uh, bring it back, but also extend it a little bit. Now, I know Trey, for example, I think doesn't like it being extended, but I'm okay with it like this right now because I don't think it has to be okay, we're doing this now forever. It's like, okay, let's try it this season and see if 10 teams uh, works. And if it does, then great, we keep it for a while. And if it doesn't, then perhaps they do only go back to just having that one team to come into the playoffs. So I like it because I think, again, the NBA is trying to figure out a way to make it so that fewer teams mail in the season Mm -hmm. and tank towards the end of it. And I think if you're a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves, for example, if you can make that play-in tournament Considering the lack of player success they've had over their their last 15 years, Sacramento Kings are another one. It's something to at least fight for and give yourself an extend the season a little bit and give yourself a chance to get into that playoff uh, uh, bracket. So I'm okay with it. I think it's okay. I think it's very, very good to experiment with these things, to try them out. And again, you don't have to lock yourself in forever with any of these things. Just, Just keep trying it while things are working. And if it does keep working like this, go with it. But it doesn't count as the playoffs unless you are in that uh, you know, first, first matchup against the number one or number two seed. Okay. What do you, what do you think, Tass? you agree with Lili? Totally. Those teams that end up losing in the play-in tournament 
end up in the draft lottery. <laughs> right. So it, it's you, you can't be in the this, that. The, I, mean, I might be an old guy here sitting on the fence or sitting on my uh, sitting on my fence, sitting on the porch <laughs> yelling at people on the lawn. But uh, you can't be both. You can't be both. Why Get is that off the old fence. guy yelling at us all the time? Well, he's sitting on a fence. Uh, yeah. He's got it right up. Pretty his grumpy. Track. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because I got to pick it. <laughs> in my ass um yeah right. so so yeah you can't be right uh, according here to a team streamer aj santiago the baseball playing teams are they count as the playoffs but oh yeah but uh well, there's so many fewer teams in baseball this now we're talking and i think why why trey doesn't like it we're talking about 20 teams in the postseason way more teams now would be in the postseason if you count these playing tournament teams than not 20 right. versus 10 right that's an that's a lot of teams okay. making the playoffs. Isn't it supposed to be a, a select group that makes the playoffs? We already got over 50%. I think that's enough. Trey, uh, do you agree with the guys? Like, if the Wolves make the 10th seed and they're in the play-in tournament, but then they lose and they're out, are you going to say, well, the Wolves did make the playoffs last year when we do the season previews the next season? That's exactly what I'm thinking, Skeets. We're all going to say, no, the play-in tournament, it's not the playoffs. Look at the name, play-in tournament. You're playing into the playoffs. But if they called it the wild card, we would all call this the playoffs. And like you're saying, when we're doing previews next season, that number 10 seed, we're going to say, well, they basically made the playoffs. (laughs) So I've kind of changed my mind. I think this is the playoffs now. At the very least, it's the postseason. It's happening post the season. There you go. It's the playoffs. Yeah, wow. I guess I guess yeah. we'll find out. You know the the TNT theme song that hits the Pitbull <laughs> playoffs. Are they going to play that before the play-in tournament? Or are they going to wait three days? Play one, one thing that is weird though with these playing games that happened last season. I keep saying last season. I mean it was a couple of weeks ago. It feels like well, it is the, yeah. the stats don't count, uh, which is weird. I think you should may as well just make them like uh, stats for. Well, well yeah, that regularly. is a great point. You're yeah. saying like, where do you put these stats? Yeah. You, you don't put, <laughs> yeah, you don't put them with the regular season. Yeah, but you should. But, I think it's it's more an extension of the wow, regular I season. Hadn't thought about it's that. Not so the hold start on, hold on. Let's talk this through. The Wolves make it as a 10 seed. Carl Anthony Towns goes bonkers, scores 101 points in a game. <laughs> okay, breaks Will Chamberlain's record. But what are we doing with that? But they is lose. It, yeah, they lose. They lose. They don't make the actual play. So what? What we? What then? We would never. We wouldn't be able to recognize the hundred one point game. Yeah, That'd be amazing. Like, cause where would that live? <laughs> it's kind of like the real one hundred point game. Did it even happen? Ooh. Nobody really knows. Okay, I hadn't thought about that part lately. That's yeah. a great point. Is that are they postseason numbers it could, or are they? Yeah, I mean, it could be. I guess it'll be their own thing. It'll just be uh, playing numbers or something. It could be potentially two games as well, assuming they have yeah. the same uh, format as last time. But yeah. All right. Well, I'm, you know, Trey made some good points. Even this numbers thing's got me thinking it a little differently. But I asked the people on Twitter, I had a poll up, uh, I guess a couple weeks ago now, because I said, you know, this is driving me nuts already. Because you hear people talking about it. Like, is the play in part of the playoffs and all that? Some people say yes, some people say no. So I just asked it as a poll Will you consider making the NBA play in games, making the playoffs? This is quite the consensus, I think, for Twitter. 88.6% say no. Nearly 5,000 votes. Uh, and again, for Twitter to have you know one side with that many votes, that's basically a consensus. 11.4% saying yes. So most people do uh, agree with you, Lili and Tass. Like, nah, nah, you're not, you're not actually in a playoff series yet. You're in this tournament, but you're not in the playoff series. But uh, I the, changed tra- my the wild mind. card part is interesting. Oh, you changed your mind, Trace. Yeah, convinced. get off yeah. the fence, Twitterers. Get off the fence. It's I think it's going to be part of the playoffs because that's a good point about the stats. 
they need to put them somewhere. I don't think they're going to put them in the regular season. I think they're going to no, shove them in the playoffs. No, I don't think so either. There's only really two options. They either just make a whole new thing for play-in stats, I guess, or, yeah, they're a part of the playoffs. But, see, I think um, – so say you get traded midway through the season, right, and the team that you're traded from has played more games than the team you're traded to, right, Mm-hmm. And then you play every single game for both those teams. You can technically play more than 82 games yeah. mm-hmm. in yeah. a season. So I would say you just build it in like that. You just say, okay, these are extra games of regular season basketball. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, I, I absolutely know what you're saying, but it's not the regular season anymore. Yeah, but it's not the playoffs either, isn't it? <laughs> I know. It's the dilemma. That's the dilemma. Do we count preseason I, stats? <laughs> I, I would just say you're extending the regular season. Okay, you're not actually playing playoffs, so that's why that's why I would say extend it. <laughs> okay, so I'm peeping this basketball reference page right now for the Memphis Grizzlies, who made it to the play-in tournament last year and they lost. We would say they didn't make the playoffs, right? right. If you're looking at the Grizzlies' schedule and results, regular season, Portland Trailblazers game, it counts as a regular season game. Oh. However, if you look at John Morant's game log, the game against the Portland Trail Blazers is nowhere to yeah. be found. Oh, this is fascinating. This is what I mean by the 101-point game that yeah. Towns is going to draw. <laughs> it counts for the teams. It doesn't count for the players. I don't know. I love it. I love the ghost realm of basketball <laughs> that we're discussing here. This is my new favorite thing. It's the play-in tournament that happened. But did it? Did it? Yeah. You had to be there. Incredible. But but does it count for um, like the Blazers players because they made the playoffs afterwards? No, it doesn't. Wow. Weird. we got to go deeper. It can't, Like Weird. Trey just said, it counts for the team's record but not the individual player statistics hmm. that they is couldn't amazing. decide that they gotta fix that schumann you gotta fix that get on that man wow, all right tough. let's keep it going here uh, i'm glad we asked that question <laughs> uh <laughs> next one though which player enters a make or break season that's a burning question trey who you got I think it's a take your pick between Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons mm. because all of the meat shields are gone. Shout out to Survivor. Brett Brown's coaching. It's no longer the issue. Al Horford's fit. No longer the issue. Josh Richardson's limitations as a playmaker. No longer the issue. Elton Brand making some weird personnel choices. No longer the issue. Lack of shooting. No longer the issue. This is the most a team has been built to play to Embiid and Simmons' strengths. Mm. The Sixers are very smart to give this a shot before they decide to make any sort of move with their two franchise cornerstones. But it does mean that now all the pressure is on Simmons and Embiid. This is similar to a team that people want to see around them. You know, maybe you would change some of the actual personnel that's out there, but shooting, defense, and a little bit more playmaking is what everybody's been calling for for the Sixers. Now they got it. So now it's 100% on Simmons and Embiid to make this team into an actual title contender rather than a team that we're talking about. Are they a dark horse title contender? Is this the year they're going to do it? Hopefully staying in the Airbnb helps with the chemistry. Hopefully they're (laughs) able to really plot out a course to be a successful team, to still be a good defensive team with an offense that makes a little bit more sense. But it's all on Simmons and Embiid. Let's see it, guys. Okay, so you can pick either of those two guys. Even though I would add, uh, you know, Tobias Harris could be a scapegoat. He could be the Chris Bosh. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's no, fair. No, they I'm, might drag him to the finals as a goat. Totally, totally. <laughs> nice. I love the survivor references. Uh, Lee, who do you have for a make or break? Well, I'm unfortunately going with Gordon Hayward. Um, that's fine. I say, I Why say unfortunately? I, well, I say unfortunately because I kind of feel a bit bad for him. He's had some bad injuries, of course. He, he did his ankle a couple of years ago, and then down in the bubble, he re-injured another ankle, and already he's broken a finger or fractured a finger in his hand there in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And the reason the reason I say it's make or break is because he got that huge contract, four years and $120 million. And it's like, I think he's going to be labeled 
kind of like an untradeable contract if he can't stay on the floor and if he doesn't perform for the for the Hornets this season. It's going to be like, he's going to be just kind of like, oh man, this guy was just maybe never that good. Uh, he's only averaged 20 points a game one season in his career. Uh, and then, you know, down in Boston, I thought he was in a good role there sort of coming off the bench, being that, uh, being that sixth man. But now he goes to a situation in Charlotte where it's like, man, he's got a huge contract and this guy's just not even that good. You know, so it's like, and then the Hornets are just going to be stuck with him. So uh, I sort of feel he needs to do something really, really special down there in, uh, in, in Charlotte this season, average 25 a game and, and, and have them be on the play-in tournament. You know, they have to be in the playoffs. <laughs> Get to the ghost stats, um, man. Get to the so, ghost stats. Yeah. I, so I just, I sort of feel, I feel that like, um, I, I feel unfortunately it's probably not going to go that way for him though. I, I feel he's probably just going to, he's just going to battle a bit there. Um so, you know, I sort of feel for his career legacy almost, it's like, it's like, you know, Haywood had a couple of good seasons in Utah, but wasn't that good. And when they gave him the big money uh, at 30 years of age, that was just another bad move by the Hornets, even though they kind of, I, I felt if someone like him was available, they have to go and get him. But uh, at what cost, really? I don't know. So, yeah, I, so I, I just feel bad. I think million, it turns out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 120 <laughs> million bucks for, you know, what eighteen and six sort of guy who might miss twenty five games with injury? Man, you, you're I hope not. You know, I'm getting depressed just listening oh, to you talking to Jordan I know. Well, I feel, I feel, I feel bad. I just feel bad saying it because he, he I just, you know, those injuries, that, that awful, awful ankle injury he sustained, and then again down in the bubble, he missed the birth of his child because he thought the Celtics were going to go and win the championship, and they lose. And uh, and now he's in Charlotte, and people kind of like, oh, you, you paid one hundred and twenty million for him, you know? Mm. So. Uh, I hope I hope better days are ahead for him. Okay, okay. A little make or break for Gordon. Just uh, for morale from Lili. Uh, <laughs> who do you have? Uh, well, mine is Victor Oladipo because he's trying to get that Gordon Hayward money. Um, but I think the range of dollars that he could make this offseason when he becomes a free agent is huge. He was a max player um, when he went to the playoffs against LeBron James uh, two years ago now. Uh, but then he got injured himself. He does not uh, look like the same guy. And it, it's a bit like Isaiah Thomas. Uh, he could, you know, go next year. He won't be a, you know, a minimum guy. He's still probably going to get, you know, at least 10, 15 mil. Um, but he doesn't look like himself. He doesn't look like that max player. So the range of dollars that he would sign this offseason as a 29-year-old, I believe he's going to be... Uh, I don't know what it is. Floor is ten million. Ceiling is is probably a max, mm-hmm. um, but that's pretty pretty drastic. And it's this is a very important year for Victor Oladipo. So hopefully that leg actually does feel good because he could be the number one guy on that Pacers team, and they could have a nice little playoff run. Uh, and I thought he was a max guy when he took LeBron to seven games. He looked great, uh, but now it's it's not the same uh, at this at this point anyway. I'm tackling this one a little different than you guys because you guys are picking some big names like star players, all-star players, uh, all-NBA players. I'm going Marvin Bagley III as a bit of a make-or-break season. I know it's still early in his career, but this guy was the number two pick in 18, and he's played 75 games over the last two seasons. Um, Last season especially tough. I mean, he had the foot injuries and a broken thumb, and he was just limited to, I think he played like 13 games. The Kings picked up his option on his contract uh, for next season. That one's worth $11.3 million. So they're obviously still believing him, and so do I. I'm excited about him. If he can just stay healthy, I think he can contribute. 
if the Kings play faster, which they're doing in the preseason, so that's good, Luke Walton. They're shooting more threes and stuff like that. Get up and down. Fox is your guy. Roll with him. Run with him. Um, but I just like to see Bagley. You know, he's never gonna live up to obviously being picked ahead of like Luca, you know, or Trey, or you know, other guys even lower like Shea Gilgis Alexander, stuff like that. Probably, but he can still be good. I just like to see him have like a nice like, yes, I'm healthy, I'm here, I'm contributing. You know, he puts up actually pretty good numbers in in his limited time when he's out there. His per thirty sixes are pretty nice. Has really meant anything? Hasn't obviously translated into a ton of wins when he's been playing. So I would like to see the Kings. You know, we haven't talked about them a lot. I feel like they're overlooked. Uh, you know, we're talking about the Suns, and even the Wolves are coming up, and and uh, some other teams in the West that are trying to, like, have their eye on the play-in tournament. The Kings should be one of those teams going for that as well and could be in the mix. So Marvin Bagley third. I'd love to see, like, a, a healthy, if anything, season for him to just to play and uh, maybe flirt with some, uh, you know, 2010s um, throughout the season. I think that's in play with him. He's that athletic. He needs to get better defensively for sure. He was lost when he was playing out there as a young guy, but he's older now and maybe he's a little smarter. So that's my pick. Let's hear from you guys, though. Make or break seasons for some players. Let us know on the stream team. Tweet at us at NoDunkSync. Got a few more questions for today's show, but first, a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Sixth man of the year. Back to the awards. Tass, your favorite award. I know it is, man. You love a guy coming off the pine. What do you got? Sixth man of the year. <laughs> no shame coming off the pine. No shame coming off the fence. Just sit on that pine, sit on that fence. Uh, this one's dumb, and I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I'm going to say it right now. Montrez Harrell for the Los Angeles wow. Lakers coming off the bench. He's going back to back. Um, the reasons why? Well, he's playing behind Marcus Gasol. I think Anthony Davis as well. Um, both those guys aren't going to be playing a ton. Marcus Sol because of age. Anthony Davis because he just finished playing. Um, so I think Montrose Harrell will be ready. He'll, he'll be on the edge of that pine, ready to jump up and play minute after minute after minute after minute. And I, I, I think everybody on the Lakers has got to be ready to play minutes just because uh, of the rest factor. Uh, the, the fact that they had 71 days in between their last game of the finals and their first day of the regular season here. So they're going to have to go deep. That, that, that's a big reason for him. Also, he's got a lot to prove. He's a six man, but 
he was sort of discarded by the Los Angeles Clippers, which is kind of crazy. And he's playing for a contract. He signed a one plus one. He's got a player option for next year. So uh, it's a big, big opportunity for him. His reputation kind of took a hit. Also with all that uh, clamoring about people being upset in the locker room, Montrez Harrell uh, was one of those guys who reportedly was very vocal about the Los Angeles Clippers locker room. So he's got a lot to prove. That being said, I don't think he's going to be featured the way he was with the Clippers. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be a, a pick and roll party the way it was with Lou Williams. But somehow, some way, Montrezl Harrell will stick his nose in there and get the ball and get his minutes uh, or get his points uh, and rebounds up and hopefully get close to those numbers again. So I, I, I'm not 100% certain on this. This isn't really my favorite award, but there's nothing <laughs> wrong with coming off the bench. Let's get back to that. There is absolutely nothing wrong. So if Karis LeVert is told to come off the bench by Steve Nash. He's going to do it, and he's going to love it. He's already calling him Manu Ginobili, so I, I think that's a popular pick out there is the Karis LeVert pick, uh, but I'll go with Montrez just because uh, it, it's more it's more about the reputation and the things that he is probably focused on rather than the actual basketball at this point. All right, Tass has Trez going back to back. Lili, who you got for sixth man of the year? Well, this guy started uh, one game last year, 64 times he came off the bench, but I think he's probably going to start this season. But I think uh, the award is kind of made for him because he's just going to be a, a bucket when he gets out there. And it's uh, Trey's man, Kobe White, in Chicago. Oh, uh, wow. But uh, yeah, he's it looks start. I think he yeah, start him well, I Billy. Know. I know. I think he started all three preseason games, and uh, and he fires away. But that's that's basically what you want from a six man to come out there and just shoot. And he had a couple of big big games last year for the Bulls. And this is the sort of award again where if you can get twenty points a game off the bench, it's hard for you to not win that award. So, but he's not going to probably start. He's probably is going to start. So he uh, he'll be eliminated from contention. So. I'll go with Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, I, I think Dinwiddie's yeah. going to get uh, opportunity and minutes there in uh, in Brooklyn because I think they do stagger Kevin and Kyrie a little bit. And uh, I think Spencer will be a good fit alongside uh, Kevin Durant. And, and he's a, you know, a veteran. He's been around. He knows his role. So I think uh, Dinwiddie's in a very good position to win it this year. Who do you got, Trey? Well, Kobe Whiteley, I would say, yeah, he's going to win a sixth man of the year at some point in his career, but like you're saying, probably not this year because he's going to the All-Star game, so as a <laughs> starter. But uh, as for me, my pick for sixth man of the year, Tyler Hero, assuming he comes off the bench. He's kind of a sixth starter for the Heat. He started <clears throat> the last five finals games, but he also only started eight games during the regular season. Yeah, who's going to be starting for the Heat is the question. You know, Butler's going to be there. You know, Bam is going to be there. Then you've got two of Duncan Robinson, Avery Bradley, Hero, Nunn, Harkless, a big guy, either Olenek or Leonard. Goran Dragic, does he start? Who knows? He didn't really start until the bubble, but mm-hmm. it's going to either be Dragic or Hero. I would imagine that Hero comes off the bench to kind of lead that second unit. They gave him a lot more opportunity uh, to run pick and rolls during the bubble, and he looked like he was ready for that responsibility. It looked like he was... Uh, pretty solid playmaker, a little bit of a surprising playmaker. Maybe they thought he was just a shooter, but I can see a nice jump for Tyler Hero this year. Uh, people in the stream team are saying he might be able to lead the Heat in scoring, which I think's a little far-fetched, but I can see him putting up some pretty big numbers and being a key contributor to a team that should be pretty solid. Yeah, my pick is... Uh... You guys have named both of the guys that I've been considering because I don't know which one to pick, Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert, because we don't know which one really is going to start and which one's going to come off the bench. They're both not going to start. One of them will be coming off the pine. Uh, Dinwiddie, I know, started the preseason game the other night, but LeVert was held out due to injury. Tass, you alluded to Nash talking about 
Karras, he said he's a starter, but will he start for us? I'm not sure yet. And he made that comparison to Ginobili uh, and how great he could be with the second unit, but still close games like Ginobili has and still make all-star teams and stuff like that. So if it's Dinwiddie, I go Dinwiddie. If it's Lavert, I go Lavert because I just think they'll put up really good numbers. And Dinwiddie, I think, would be my ultimate pick just because I think he's more likely to actually still come off the bench. I think Lavert does start. Um, and he's done it before, and he was good. Like, even last year, he played 15 games as a bench player, and he was still averaging, like, 18-5. and five. Uh, His numbers were higher as a starter, as they usually are, but not too far off that. He was, like, 20-7 and seven when he was starting in those games last year. Usage percentage, pretty similar in both roles. That's going to drop significantly, I would think, uh, whether he's starting or he's coming off the bench with all the talent now surrounding him. But I'll go Dinwiddie ultimately, but if he starts and Levert's the one coming off the pine, then I would pick him. That's, uh, I think it's going to be somebody on the Nets. I think there's going to be a lot of scoring there in Brooklyn. But let's hear from you guys with the Sixth Man of the Year Award. Stream teamers, I know we're uh, talking up uh, Tyler Hero I saw there, and let's get your tweets as well, at NoDunkSync. One more question. We always do this one. It's a lot of fun. Which player needs a nickname? Who needs a fun moniker, Lily? Who you got? Well, we've got two young studs. Uh, some say uh, one is highlight overrated, but I think uh, overall <laughs> he's very good. But neither of Zion or Ja Morant really have a nickname. On Basketball Reference, uh, nothing for Morant, and Zion has Zanos. But uh, I don't really <laughs> think that's nice at all. Uh, and, and so I think Zion actually could survive his career when you're a one-name guy and your name hasn't been in NBA history before and you're a star, yeah. like Shaq, Kobe, Kobe, LeBron, you know, like that can be your nickname, you yeah. know? So Zion could just be Zion for his career. But, I think so. But Ja Morant is a two-name guy and we need to get rid of that, I think. He needs to be a one-name guy. Hey, or- at least you're saying his name correctly. That's <laughs> it's been, yeah, that's I thought why, he already that's- had a nickname, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you just add a Y. <laughs> just add a Y. It's the classic Aussie way of coming up with nicknames. It just had to change this time a little bit. Do, do you know what his actual first name is? No. Demetrius Jamal Morant. That's oh, his wow. name. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Anyway, so the thing about Jam- ja-, ja Morant, what I always see with him is you always have to – you see a highlight – and then you have to go back and watch it again. So I want to call him Replay because every time something happens, it's like Replay, Replay. I've got to see that again. You've got to see in slow-mo. You've got to watch just how he, he uh, what he did and how he did it because he's in the air for so long. And that's another potential nickname for him is just Elevate. Just call him Elevate because mm. he always elevates. So, uh, you know, look, these nicknames are not very good. I understand that. But he needs <laughs> something, Jar Morant. I just don't think he could be Jar Morant because, as I was saying, you've got to be just one name if you're going to be a one-name guy for your entire career. So uh, replay or elevate, that's what I'm going with. So that's what I'm pitching out there. What about using replay because you'd be watching it for a second time because you're like, whoa, what did he do? So you you, re- you bring it back. It's sort of like deja vu. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah, yeah something there. That's yeah. a bit of a force. I'm forcing that. I was forcing yeah, that on yeah. Twitter the other night. But, you know, it goes along with your replay. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs a nickname. But he's got a cool name, too. I mean, you mispronounce it most of the time, but it's a good name. <laughs> uh, it's a short name. It's a, it's a punchable name, Ja Morant. Um, yeah. Okay, so you're going, Ja. Um, who do you got, Tass? Like Lee was saying, uh, one name is fine. Uh, you know, like Luka Doncic, his nickname will forever be Luka. He's just a one-name guy. That That's totally cool. Uh, I just hate when you have to use two names i mean that's what it really comes down to i'm I'm being selfish here just think about throughout the season we do a lot of shows 300 plus shows think about the time saved if a guy is just a one name guy versus a two name guy all of us having to say a guy's name so i looked at 
the top players in the league. Mm-hmm. And I wondered who is the best player that you have to say both his names. Luca, Giannis, Steph, LeBron, AD is now Anthony Davis. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Harden is the beard or Harden. Harden. I think you can probably get away with one name there. Kawhi, KD, Dame, Jason Tatum is where I landed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Jason Tatum's got, he needs a nickname. Uh, and he also plays with Jalen Brown, both two name guys. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, we've done this question for a decade and a half. We forced many a nickname. I've forced many a nicknames, like Durantula, uh, for KD. But it ended up being just his initials. I'm okay with it being JT. That's cool. Oh wow! Uh, and I think that's fine. I know it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't really, uh, you know, tickle anyone's fancy right now. But did KD at some point? Did AD at some point? No, because the, the other way is forced. You know, the brow. Or again, Durantula is a spider. Well, I mean, I guess that's been ha- that's been given to Donovan Mitchell, but those those always sort of fade away. Like Flash with Dwayne Wade or Stat with Amari Stoudemire. You always just go with the guy's name, D Wade. Um, Amari was a one name guy, so I think where we're gonna get with with Jason Tatum, maybe it's JT and JB, the Bros from Beantown, Beantown Bros. I don't Beantown know. Bros. I, I think you might just go initials. So that that's where I'm focused. Jason Tatum. If somebody's got a good Jason Tatum, throw it out there. I don't Tater Tatum. Boring. Twelve time. Yeah, twelve time. I do love for some time. reason it kills me. Uh, why can't he just be Tatum? I mean, that's a pretty short and memorable name. Yeah. Unique. It, for sure. I don't know. It just hasn't taken off, right? Yeah, I agree. He's, it hasn't he's a two-name guy. He is a two-name guy right now. Who do you have, TK? A couple of rookies, I think. Uh, unsure on nicknames. I do not like having two Mellows in the league. I don't like that LaMelo <laughs> Ball is on here on Instagram, at Mello. Carmelo mm. Anthony should be at Mello. Yeah, he obviously yeah. has Carmelo Mello. Anthony, which is fine, but... I don't know. He plays fast. He's fancy. A little reckless. Maybe we call him Lambo. Another guy. Another rookie who could use a nickname. The Bulls. Patrick Williams. I was calling him the florist because the first thing that ESPN told me about this guy was that in high school, his mom ran a floral shop and he delivered all of the flowers. So I love it. I think the florist is a very cool nickname. It's like, you know, Tony Kukoc was called the waiter because he was serving up those assists. A name that's a job, that's a weird job, I love it as a nickname. But also, on the Bulls broadcast during preseason, they've been calling him Project Pat after the Memphis rapper. And I think that's an awesome nickname. So I'm kind of in between on whether I want to go, you know, the flower power route or the rap uh, homage route. But either of them are good to me. Williams has looked great in the preseason. Mark him down for your rookie of the year and give him two nicknames. Project Pat and The Florist. I don't know what y'all like better. I like both of them. I love yeah. the florist for some reason. I, I don't mm. know why. It's it's so weird to me that I like it. But mm-hmm. Project Pat's good too. Uh, it's kind of like Coach the florist. If you know, you know that he delivers things. Uh, if he just, if he drops some assists, you know, he's the florist, always delivering you the ball. Sure, always delivering you those geraniums. Yeah. I mean, or or you you could see for the florist being a good nickname for somebody like dunks on on people so badly that he like puts them. To the ground, like he buries Ooh. them, like Wob, you know, does, mm-hmm. and then you're putting flowers on the grave. 
it's a bit of a stretch too, but uh, you said you hate guys with two names, Tass, that you got to like uh, say both of their names. Well, what about guys with three names? Talon Horton Tucker, bring them back up. Kid needs a nickname, man. Too many names. Oh, the stream is peaking. The stream is peaking right now. <laughs> I don't know what we're calling Talon Horton Tucker. I mean, I see a lot of THTs. They're just yeah. doing that. I don't All mind right. it. Uh, yeah, fine, but... Uh, dynamite. T-H-T. Oh, okay, dynamite. <laughs> Done. That's what we're calling, Talon Horton Tucker. It's a fun name to say, I will, yeah. I will admit, oh, yeah. but uh, it's, a, it's a mouthful. And you say to us, like, that we, like, give these guys nicknames, or we go with half their name half the time, or more than half the time, because, yeah, it's quicker. We're talking. That's what guys do. You know, we're chatting. We got an hour to, to discuss a lot of things, but... <laughs> The flip side of this, if you watch like Stephen A. Smith or those type of shows, they always say their full names. <laughs> always. Uh, talk radio especially does this too. I got time to fill. You got to say the entire name of every guy on the roster because that's going to fill up a couple minutes. It drives me insane. I'm glad you brought that up. It drives me nuts. Just Stephen say Harden. A. Smith Don't would need do to that. tell me his name is James Harden every time. Just say Harden. We know uh, what you're talking about. Gives you time to think. James Harden, the beard. Oh, yeah, this is my point. Gonna move on here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll call it there. Part four, NBA season preview podcast. One more coming up on Friday. Got some fun questions remaining, so make sure you check that out. Wherever you download and listen to No Dunks, subscribe. Tell your friends. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star rating and review. Go get your No Dunks merchandise, nodunks.com. Easiest way to go grab that stuff. Keep your questions coming. For our Beach Steppin' podcast, I think we're going to do that on Monday. So email them in, nodunksattheathletic.com, your questions and your comments. And uh, yeah, back tomorrow with final part, part five of our burning questions about the upcoming NBA season. Thanks for joining us today. Until then, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, Patrick Williams is the florist. Patrick Williams with the dunk. He just put Aaron Vanes in the vase. Where's it a vase? <laughs> I don't know. Embrace the day, people. You could stay, ooh, every day. And I'd be happy every minute. It's been so long, but you're the one I've waited for. It's happened already. It's gonna be groovy. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 